All right, I think uh, I think Scooter would like that little outro there with the fading music. Let me turn the mic on. I, we should be good on WESN. Ralph's not in here, but Eric, I don't know if you want to maybe give me a sound check over there before I go ahead and start spouting some of the info I got today. Hey, Cubella. Cubella and Marcos, both of you. Marcos, I didn't get back to you. I was sleeping last night when you had messaged me, and I apologize. I mean, you, said, you and him will probably chat a little when, like, off the air. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, and then I'm gonna get this Facebook live started. All right. Once I get this Facebook live started, though, I'm gonna go right into it. So we're not gonna wait. We're not gonna bullshit around, waste any time. So actually, Eric, go ahead and plug some shows in. Uh, do your show plugs well, here because I don't know how long um, it's gonna take me to do all this. So. Well, I know coming up on Podbean. Um, I don't really see any shows of interest that really stand out this evening. Um, but I would imagine, you know, I would. But don't worry about this evening because people are going to go back down and people are going back through here, and I'm uploading the the audios for this right for. Uh, yeah. Um, people to download. So just go ahead and, and you know give like you know the five main shows, six main shows that that you think people. Well, go I know to. like on Podbean Live, you've got. Um, like mornings, you've got the, the Ralph William podcast and then the old man's mm -hmm. podcast, Gene, Joe, and Eric. Um, then I know on Wednesday, you've got the Frankie D show, and then John Gill should be back tomorrow since he took a little bit of a hiatus today because he had mm -hmm. other plans and then saw Blue Sister. And then you've also got Slacker 82 Alpha and the Beans and Weenie show also tomorrow evening. And then you've got this swap visit live a little bit later in the week, and then the It's Doomsday podcast Sunday evening. and um, hopefully John DeVito and Slightly Serious might decide to surprise us with some shows later in the week. That way we're not having Slightly Serious and John DeVito withdrawals. And I know <laughs> that you'll be back with a Thursday show. Yep. Uh, so Thursday, uh, I'm going to be hosting Solid Blue Sisters show at mm -hmm. 3 o'clock Central. And then I'll do my show as well after that. Yeah. Uh, but I am hosting her show. Go check it out. We're talking about transgenders uh invading into uh women's sports and how title uh -huh. nine is basically being invaded and right. it's going to be a really good topic i have very hard uh strong feelings about that topic you know being a former athlete it's and i think PSN, fyi awesome that's what i wanted to hear so yeah that'll be a good one three o'clock it's solid blue sister yeah i'm hosting the show for her It'll be a really good one. Then, obviously, 6 o'clock Central, I'll be back here doing my own show. So, uh, any others, Eric, before I go ahead and get going? Um, there's really nothing else that, that stands out. But um, but but usually just just some of the main, like, regularly scheduled shows that I, that I know of. And then, but I know you got, like, a host of other friends. You'll probably see it impromptu times. Yep. Um, and maybe uh, a couple more, like, up-and-coming ones. Yeah, and you know, I want to say something uh, for those of you that are downloading that may not be on Podbean. Podbean is a great place, and especially if you're getting started doing a podcast. Uh, when I was getting started, you know, with the podcasting stuff, and I'm still getting started. I'm not like advanced by any means. But one thing I read about is you know finding a good podcast community, and that helps your viewership too. Well, luckily, you know, Eric uh, this actually is a really like hidden gem. It is. It's very good. Very good community. Uh, you know, people are some of the most generous people willing to help you and your show. And, uh, you know, it really is, uh, uh, 
it, 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 it's something for everyone to check out for sure. You know, and it, even if you don't have a podcast, just come listen to the shows. If you want to call in, you can call in the shows. You know, it's very interactive. Um, I love when people, you can call them, call into my show. I love when people have differences of opinions to come and express those to me and we can debate it out. Everyone has a voice on the show. I say that all the time. So for those of you that are, you know, listening to this show on other platforms, Podbean is a great place to come and interact and, and see the live versions of these shows. And it's a great community at that. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead I'm going to go ahead and start this Facebook live. All right. So we're good. Now, first thing for Facebook live, now that we're on, uh, go subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's just real conservative talk. If I get kicked off of YouTube, if I get kicked off of, I don't think we'll get kicked off Podbean, but you know, we get kicked off YouTube. We get kicked off of whatever else, you know, we'll be on other platforms. So go subscribe to us on other platforms. Uh, if you follow us on uh, Facebook, go follow us on YouTube. What's that? Eric? Well, like if in the event like Facebook decides to kick you off, you are already exploring other entities like D live Twitch and, and rumble as backup alternatives. Yeah. So I'm on rumble again. It's just real conservative talker. You can look me up. Michael key. Uh, we're on Rumble already. Videos are already uploaded there. We don't have a big following. I don't push it, but we are there. We're on every everywhere. So if you can't find us here, just go look for us on another platform. More than likely, we'll be there. Now, I want to jump right into this because I don't edit the shows and I don't have time to bullshit. Uh, first thing, saw this article earlier. Eric probably knows far more about this than me, but I went into a show last, uh, maybe yesterday or Sunday. I think it was Sunday. And the guy was questioning me about this. And I said, you know, I don't like speaking on things I don't know a lot about because I hadn't read about it. But it's the whole Clarence Thomas and his wife deal. So here's an article. It's by The Hill. came out today. AOC Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on Tuesday called on just Justice Clarence Thomas, who is a conservative Supreme Court judge, by the way, uh, to resign or face impeachment for what she depicted as a pattern of ethical breaches. This is coming from... AOC, right? Uh, quote, Clarence Thomas should resign, she wrote on Twitter, if not his failure to disclose income from right-wing organizations, recuse himself from matters involving his wife, and his vote to block the Jan 6 commission from key information must be investigated and could serve as grounds for impeachment. Now, I was kind of kidding around last week when the whole Kentaji Brown deal started uh just or i'll go back and check after the show as far as the voicemail sorry but it's when this whole kentaji brown um questioning started clarence thomas fell ill and went to the hospital due to the flu and i was just kidding around i said you know isn't it kind of convenient for the democrats and kind of you know weird timing that clarence thomas at the same time they're about to appoint a democratic judge he falls ill and is in the hospital too what if that potentially opened up a spot for another Democratic appointee? Well, it looks like they're pushing that. Regardless if it's the Fulu or trying to impeach them, they're pushing for that. They're trying to equal out the um, uh, the you know their standing in the Supreme Court, which is primarily run by conservatives, which I'm fine with. <laughs> but with that said. Uh, moving on, it says Ocasio-Cortez is just the latest in a series of Democratic lawmakers and legal experts to intensify ethical scrutiny of 
Thomas in the wake of explosive reports last week that exposed his wife's aggressive efforts to help overturn former President Trump's electoral defeat. Now, I've read a few articles about this. What is wrong with his wife uh, being outspoken about how President Trump should have challenged the election results? That's not illegal. Challenging election results, it, it, they're challenged all the time. Al Gore challenged them. They did recounts. Like, this is nothing new. Now, they want Clarence Thomas to recuse himself from the whole January 6th thing. As far as I've seen, his wife had nothing to do with the January 6th riots. Nothing. All she did was speak on her opinion, basically, on what Trump should do regarding the election results. She didn't start promoting January 6th riots, though, at all. Do you know how many people, a lot of people probably in this room listening to the show, didn't agree with the election results, but also didn't participate and weren't even fucking there when the January 6th riots went down? The majority of the people that, that didn't agree with the election were also weren't at the riots and had nothing to do with them. So my other thing I wanted to get at with this and why I'm starting with this is if Clarence Thomas has to recuse himself from any dealings with, you know, the January 6th committee because of something his wife did, then Joe Biden would also have to recuse himself from fucking anything having to do with Ukraine because of his dealings that Hunter, his son had there. That are also under investigation, legitimate investigation with far more uh, illegal wrongdoings and potential massive illegal uh, actions that took place between there and China. Like how? So you're telling me Joe Biden is allowed to go over and and completely dictate our total foreign policy with a country that his son did illegal businesses in, and he had a lot to do with too, but Clarence Thomas has to recruit himself for the January 6th committee's uh, hearings and stuff because his wife said a, sent a text saying that Trump should question the election results? How the fuck does that work out? Am I missing something? Does that not sound like a huge double standard? Sounds like a double standard to me. That's like, how is Pelosi as guilty as her and her husband are with insider trading a lot, not have to recuse themselves on any uh, hearings that have to do with, with securities? They would, right? Just by that definition. Like, I'm not well, saying... Well, like, if you look at the... And if you look at the Pelosi's, you also have to wonder, like, why are the Pelosi's not even in jail for what they're doing? Oh, why aren't half of these people in jail? Mitch McConnell, freaking Schumer, freaking Bidens, all of them. They're all as guilty. If you've been in there for 40 years, you're doing something that's kept you in there for 40 years. All right. Mm -hmm. And you're doing something illegal, more than likely. You're playing the fucking game. You are. That's how I feel about you. Go there, run for Senate, run for House, run for President, do it as a public service, and move on. Go back to a job, go back to your life, and stop wanting to be in damn power all the time. But that gets well, me into... Yeah. 
good. And you hit that one right on the head because our founders never intended for this culture of career criminal politicians, you know, being in office for decades when they only intended for you to only be in there for like maybe let less than say 10 years. And then, and then you go back home to your, to your day job and to your families and to your farms, what have you. Um, Cause be, being a career politician wasn't, wasn't meant to be something, something like lifelong. No. Now, but that gets me into what my main discussion is for today. And I'm sure I'm going to have people that join uh, the live show here. I'm not taking Collins because I know a lot of people uh, have strong opinions on what I'm going to talk about. Uh, and you'll, you'll, you'll see soon enough what I'm, what I'm saying, but I want to talk about communism, but I want to talk about communism. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read from this. This is out of the communist manifesto directly. And all it is, is they took the communist manifesto and they broke it down. Uh, they broke the sections down and, and put in the questions and answers, but the answers are derived directly from the writings in the communist manifesto. And I want to react to this. And it was extreme. It's it's not eye opening for me because I've known all this, but it it may be eye opening to a lot of you guys. But if you don't know what communism is, like everyone should go and study communism. Why? Because you need to know what it is. You need to know how to identify. And you need to know why the fuck you don't want it to happen, and why it doesn't work. All right. It's not just an economical thing. It's a political. Uh, way of thinking it's a societal way of thinking as well and it's very scary now this i'll just read the first question it's it's what is communism on here and it's communism is the doctrine of the conditions of liber the liberation of the proletariat now a couple definitions a proletariat when i say proletariat that's a working class individual proletariats is the working class the 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 bottom of the bottom is what they really define it as like that lower income class the other one is the bourgeois the bourgeois is defined as middle class but it's really the way they use it in the writing like your upper wealthier class all the way up to your really wealthy individuals but they define it as the middle class and they say that the, the you know they really uh uh, demonized the middle class in these writings. By the way, this is written by Frederick Engels, who is the co-writer of the Communist Manifesto with Karl Marx. So the first main thing I want to get into, it says, what working classes were there before the Industrial Revolution? Now, the Communist Manifesto was written in about, I believe, 1848, around there. Uh, right in the... It was after the, the Industrial Revolution really began over in Europe and England. And that's when they started writing and coming up with their little bullshit theories. According to them, Marx and Engels, there was no such thing as working class before the Industrial Revolution. You had slaves, you had serfs, but you didn't have the proletariats, you didn't have the working class as we know it today, which would be like me, be like I don't know. There's probably some people in this room that are in the 1%. Maybe not, but I would imagine based off statistics, the majority of people that are listening to the show are working class or uh, lower, middle or working class, right? And it says the working classes have always, according to different stages of development of society, lived in different circumstances and had different relations to the owning 
and ruling classes. In antiquity, the workers were slaves of the owners, just as they still are in many backward countries and even in the southern part of the United States. Now, again, this was written back in 1848. All right. Um, it's the next question. It says, in what way do proletarians differ from slaves? This is where it starts to get interesting. The answer. The slave is sold once and for all. The proletarian must sell himself daily and hourly. Goes on to say, the individual slave, property of one master, is assured in existence, however miserable it may be because of the master's interest. The individual proletarian, property as it were of the entire bourgeois class, which buys his labor only when someone has need of it, has no secure existence. This existence is assured only to the class as a whole. So what they're saying is that it's better to be a slave than it is to be a working class citizen. Why? Because a slave is always needed. Let's say, uh, you know, and they're going back to the southern United States. You had a farm. You had a plantation. They buy a slave. They feed that slave. Uh, they provide the basic necessities for that slave so that slave can go and work. Therefore, the demand for that slave is always needed because that work needs to be done. They're not getting paid hourly. They're not getting paid at all. But at least that slave will always have a job and it will always have food on the table. It will always have the basic necessities supplied to it. And there will always be a demand for that slave. But when it comes to a working class citizen, the working class citizen has to sell themselves hourly and daily. And that working class citizen when you bring it down to an individualistic point of view is not always needed. It's based off a of demand. Take a, um, a migrant worker where maybe they go and, and work farms in the early, in the late winter down South. And then once those farms are uh, done with picking, they don't need them anymore. So they get rid of them. So they got to go find someone else that needs the help of that migrant worker somewhere else. That's what they're saying the working class person is or the proletarian is. And they're saying that only the class as a whole, because obviously there's always a demand for the workers, but there's not always a demand for the individual. So while the class will always have an existence, the, the individual is always had the, having to fight, scratch, and claw to be able to go work, to be able to provide necessities. Therefore, their justification is that a slave is actually being a slave is actually far better than being a working class citizen. It says the slave is outside competition. The proletarian is in it and experiences all its vagaries. The slave counts as a thing, not as a member of society. Thus, the slave can have a better existence than the proletarian, while the pro proletarian belongs to a higher stage of social development and himself stands on a higher social level than the slave. The slave frees himself when all of the relations of private property, he abolishes only the relation of slavery and thereby become a proletarian. The proletarian can free himself only by abolishing private property in general. So what they're saying there is that the slave, since they're owned by the, uh, the master, right? and the master owns that piece of property, if they can just abolish that piece of property, 
then there's no demand for that slave and they can be freed. But all they do is become a proletarian and all they do is become a member of the working class because now they have to go find a job instead of having the one given to them by the slave owner. Now, since they have to go find a job, now they're a part of the proletarian class. And then it's saying that's actually worse. And the proletarian class will always basically be a slave or a form of a slave unless private property in general overall is abolished. Again, communism is about public ownership. And I'm going to go deeper into this. But I, I, and I don't know if this is interesting to some people, but it's interesting to me. But I think it's extremely important for people to actually realize what's going on. And, and towards the end here, I'm going to read something. You're going to see why I decided to do the show on this. So the next thing they talk about, and we talked about this, I think, on Solid Blue Sister show yesterday. They go and they start saying, it says, the introduction of free competition is thus public de- declaration that from now on the members of society are unequal, or from now on the members of society are unequal, only to the extent that their capitals are unequal. That capital is a decif- decisive power, and that thereof the capitalists, the bourgeois, have become the first class in society. So because um, we have competition... They're saying that competition is bad because some people are better in competition. And because some people are better, now there's inequality. And because there's inequality, you have one class taking advantage of another class. Free competition is necessary for the establishment of big industry because it is the only condition of society in which big industry can make its way. Since having destroyed the social power of the nobility and the guildmasters, the bourgeois, also destroyed their political power, having raised itself to the actual position of the first class in society. It proclaims itself to be the dominant political class. This it does through the introduction of the representative system, which rests on the bourgeois equality before the law and the recognition of free competition, and in European countries takes the form of the constitutional monarchy, which is like what England, Germany, and all them were uh, at the turn of the century. Now, they said that the the working class did not exist before the Industrial Revolution. The Industrial Revolution is the cause to all of the problems that they list in the Communist Manifesto, which immediately means that these fucking communists... And these Marxists and these socialists in the United States, I don't think they're fully aware that when you go that route, you're hindering innovation. You're hindering industrialization. You want a green society? Great. Communism tells you you can go fuck yourself because you won't be able to do it under a communist regime because you don't have the support for innovation to create the technology needed to go green in the first place. And that's where my problem with these people on the left, the AOCs, the freaking squad, the Rashida Tlaibs, the, the Joe Bidens, the Bernie Sanders, my problem lies with this, with them, is because they don't understand really what they're talking about. You can't promote one class uh, while not hurting 
others and you can't promote business and industry and economy while trying to go socialist and communist. It doesn't work because it's against the whole idea of communism. Now, this next question says, what will, what will the new social order have to be like? And I'll read this section. It says, above all, it will take the control of industry and of all branches of production out of its hands of mutually competing individuals and instead institute a system in which all these branches of production are operated by society as a whole. That is, for the common account, according to a common plan, and with the participation of all members of society. It will, in other words, abolish competition and replace it with association. Now, this is where the other day on Solid Blue Sister show, uh, we were kind of discussing this. And I brought up competition. We are going down a path. So the whole participation trophy thing is a communist idea. Why? Because everyone gets the same award. When you start giving out participation trophies to the Pop Warner football team or the Little League baseball team, it doesn't matter if you get first, second, third, fourth, fifth, everyone gets a medal. Everyone's treated the same. We don't, we're getting away from incentivizing you to work hard and be better than someone. Because under communism and under socialism, it's not good to be better than someone. In fact, you're an asshole if you're better than someone. You shouldn't strive for greatness because you, everyone should be equal. Everyone should be putting in an equal effort. Everyone should be getting an equal result. No. It doesn't work like that. Um, we, I remember seeing the videos. I believe it was in like Seattle or something of a little soccer team. And they're playing without a ball. And the idea is they were going to play with an imaginary ball so everyone got a chance to fucking score. That's communism. That's wrong. See, in the United States, uh, or when I first went to Australia the first time, I remember my girlfriend's uncle said, especially growing up, you know, you looked at the United, they looked at the United States like, man, that's where you go to compete. That you know, they're all about winning, and they're winning in business, they're winning in sports, they're winning in whatever. It's all about winning. We had the fucking Cold War. All right, against a communist regime to show them that they couldn't keep up, and they couldn't. We outspent them, we outproduced them, we outinnovated them, and we still are. It's never worked for communism. And we are going down a path where we are actually saying, well, no, you can't score too many points on this team. You can't beat them by too much because we don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't, we're going to hire you because your skin color or because your religion, not because you're the best. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? When you start eliminating, um, go ahead. Well, you know, and I think um, where you're choosing like a particular class of people over, over a particular class of people who are qualified to do your job, or, but you're choosing people because of like a certain race or ethnicity or, or whatever creed or, sexual orientation or what have you, you would be going into the area of affirmative action. Yeah. And all of that stuff. Look, the first thing is to eliminate competition. 
and that's a problem with the human race. Why? Because we are an extremely competitive and extremely driven society. I brought this up literally two hours ago on Solid Blue Sister Show when I brought up our drive as human beings. What other animal has done what we've done and become an advanced race? What other animal gives a fuck about anything other than surviving that day? None. Only us. We're the only ones that have that have developed, okay, into a species where we are constantly seeking answers, be it answers about space, answers about our past. We're looking at about you know back on history. We're looking about you know uh, where we came from. That that's why we have all these religions. That's why we have all these different countries. That's why we have all all this different shit. Think about this: we created weapons to go kill animals because we were a lot weaker than they were. The, the human being is the most dangerous predator on this earth. But we're the weakest and we're not even close to being the biggest. But because of our mind and our intelligence, we're able to be that. Why? Because we have innovated over time and allowed ourselves to be put in that position. The same goes for business and the economy. The same goes for politics, where people are constantly trying to get up on one another and get to the top, right? And when someone is at the top, think about this. You have a pride of lions. You have the alpha male. Every once in a while, they may fight the alpha male, you know, but most of the time they lose. That's why that, that lion's the alpha male. What do we do as humans? Well, if someone's better than me at something or someone has uh, more resources than me, we try and figure out a way to uh, work around that and still beat them. And what does that do? That drives innovation. That, uh, that drives creation. And that's why how our society advances. Competition. Look at all the, the um, inventions that came out during the Cold War. The whole space race. How much did NASA create? How much... How many products do we use in our life right now that came about during the cold war and the space race and the competition between us and russia the funny thing is not russia but the soviet union the funny thing is is that half of that competition when i'm referring to the soviet union abided by this no competition you know and but damn if they weren't all about that hockey damn it they weren't pissed when they lost the united states in hockey it's human nature. And that's why the Soviet Union failed because they tried to, to go against human behavior instead of harnessing it and using it to its advantage. Yeah, great. They uh, conscripted a bunch of guys that were good at hockey and forced them to, to practice for 11 months out of the year. And they became a great team. Great. But you can't have guys competing in one aspect and not competing in another saying, well, you can't go on a business. You can't, you know, we're going to pay you the same as, uh, as this other, uh, cook over here. You know, you're out winning hockey games for the Soviet union, but this cook, we're going to pay him the same amount, even though he's working half the time and just feeding you, there's no incentive. And they ultimately collapsed. If you go look at the GDP, between the United States and the Soviet Union from 1949 until 1991 when the Soviet Union collapsed and the growth in GDP, it's not even fucking close. 
By the way, growth of GDP, for those of you that don't know GDP, that's basically the entire worth of the country and the, the size of the economy for the country. The GDP per capita is split up. You know, you divide the total GDP by the total population, gives you GDP per capita. Ours is one of the highest. The only countries I think that really have a higher one are some small Poto country like Switzerland and, and those countries that have like 2 million people in it. But as far as ones that have 330 million people, there's none that even come close. Um, which is impressive when you think about it. And the United States isn't perfect. But China's GDP, I believe, is around, GDP per capita is around like 10,000 per person. Ours is around like 50 or 60. So five to six times more. But back to this, it says they want to abolish competition and replace it with, with association. Uh, moreover, since the management of industry by individuals necessarily implies private property in the, and since competition is in reality merely the manner and form in which the control of industry by private property owners express itself, it follows the private property or it follows that private property cannot be separated from competition in the individual management of the industry. Private property must therefore be abolished, and in its place must come the common utilization of all instruments of production and the distribution of all products, according to the great agreement, or to the common agreement, sorry. In a word, what is called the communal ownership of goods. In fact, the abolition of private property is, doubtless, the shortest and most significant way to characterize the revolution in the whole social order which has been made necessary by the development of industry. And for this reason, it is rightly advanced by communists as their main demand. You know what the Communist Manifesto reminds me of? A bunch of pussies that were jealous of people making money and being successful, and they were too fucking stupid to go do it on their own. That's what this is. Oh, this uh, Karl Marx is award uh, a Nobel Prize winning economist. Yeah, fuck off. Who cares? Didn't Fauci win like a Nobel Prize too? Look at him, his idiot. I mean, <laughs> look, anyone can come up with economic theory and make it sound good. I'll write one today and show you guys some bullshit thing that doesn't work, but I'll make it sound good. A lot of economics is theory. Doesn't mean it works. says private property has not always existed now this is where it gets funny it says when towards the end of the middle ages uh there arose a new mode of production which is which could not be carried on under the then existing feudal and guild forms of property this manufacturer which had outgrown the old property relations created a new property form private property and for manufacture an early stage of development of big industry Private property was the only possible property form. The social order based on it uh, was the only possible social order. That's not true. The Romans were giving out private property to their soldiers after they won battles. So they don't even know the facts here. Private property has been around forever. All right? Just not in the fucking societies that they lived in. God, you get, mad, you get more and more pissed when you read this stupid shit. I'm going to wipe my ass with this, by the way, as toilet paper when I'm done. Uh, says now however the development of big industry has ushered in a new period capital 
and forces of production that have been or have been expanded to an unprecedented extent and the means are at hand to multiply them without limit in the near future. Moreover, the forces of production have been concentrated in the hands of a few bourgeois. Again, for those of you that didn't hear, bourgeois is the middle and upper classes. Uh, while the great mass of the people, and they're referring to uh, proletarians as the you know poor people, uh, are more and more falling into the pro proletariat, uh, their situation becoming more wretched and intolerable in proportion to the increase of wealth of the bourgeois. Do we not hear about this today, right? Oh, the wealth gap between the rich. The rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer. Maybe they're right. But we're going to hit on that in a second. And finally, these mighty and easily extend, extended forces of production have so far outgrown private property and the bourgeois that they threaten at any moment to unleash the most violent disturbances of the social order now, under these conditions, the abolition of private property has become not only possible, but absolutely necessary. So let me read that again. That last sentence says, And finally, these mighty and easily extended forces of production, which they're talking about big business, have so far outgrown private property because they, even though the uh, large businesses or private industries, they're saying that they gets so big it's really not even private ownership anymore uh, in the bourgeois that they threaten at any moment to unleash the most violent disturbances of social order all the riots we see now under these conditions because they get people so pissed off at these large businesses big pharma big oil big big fucking sex toys industry whatever they have big it's always big and then followed by some bullshit ass thing that they're jealous of uh Unleash the most violent, uh, violent disturbances of the social order. Now, under these conditions, the abolition of private property has become not only possible, but absolutely necessary. So they, they, they turn you on all the big businesses, you know, big Amazon, big Google, whatever the hell. They get you pissed off at it, and they make it to where everyone's so mad. It's like, you know what? We, we can't do this anymore. We have to abolish all of these large industries and just get rid of it. Let the government control everything. Just make it publicly funded. Big weed is coming, Richie says. Yeah. I think they're voting on that this week, by the way. But I haven't uh, confirmed that. But I did see something where they were supposedly voting on uh, federal legalization of marijuana. Now, this is the big one I wanted to read. It says, what will be the course of this revolution? Above all, it will establish a democratic constitution. And through this, the direct or indirect dominance of the proletariat. Direct in England, where the proletarians are already a majority of the people. I want you to think about this. I've said this so many times on the show. They just, uh, not long ago, and I think it got turned down, thank God, because of the um, filibuster, but they tried to pass two voting bills. The Democrats, and yes, I say the Democrats, because that's who wrote the bills up. Wanted, Joe Biden even was for abolishing the filibuster, which the Democrats use, by the way. Uh, to get these voting bills passed. Why? Because if you can get the voting bills passed, because they're going to turn us into a democracy instead of a republic. We are a republic constitution. Sorry, we are a constitutional republic. We're not a democratic uh, constitution at all. So to start a communist revolution, you have to turn us from a, repu a constitutional republic to a democratic constitution. What that does is it allows the majority 
who in the United States is the liberals or the Democratic Party. They are a vast majority. All right, they have more registered voters than any other party. Uh, they would win the popular vote every single time. There is literally a bill. You guys can go check it out. It's, it's HJ Resolution 14. Uh, it was introduced in January of last year, 2021, right when Biden took office. And it was to abolish the Electoral College and establish a direct popular vote for the President of the United States and the Vice President of the United States. What would that do? That immediately turns us into a democratic constitution where the majority of the people are the ones voting in the uh, president and the vice president. Now, some people will say, well, why wouldn't you want that? The popular vote. If, everyone, if the majority of people want a certain person, they should get that. No, because when you start talking about economies and especially a country as large as the United States, where every state has a different economy, a different industry, a different culture, different religions, different skin colors, different, everything is different, especially in a place as diverse as the United States, you have to have the Electoral College because if you don't, then you will have the popular vote coming from the largest, you know, 13 to 15 cities all lying on the coastal U.S., making all of the decisions about what the fucking farmers in Iowa and Nebraska and Tennessee and Alabama and middle Florida should be doing with their businesses and what's right for them. And that's not good. You're taking away right in the name of giving representation to the majority of the people. You're actually taking representation away from the majority of the people. And when I say you're taking away from the majority of the people, you're taking away from multiple minority groups that now all are in the same group of lost representation. A popular vote, like for whatever reason, we keep going and implementing in these other countries over in Europe and and wherever, is the worst thing that would happen to the United States. You would have one party winning every single election, and they would just run free will with everything they want to do. It even says this. This is back in 1848. They were talking about the need to do this. A democratic constitution. It says in, it, you need an indirect one in France and Germany where the majority of the people consist of only the proletarians, but also of small peasants and uh, petty bourgeois who are in the process of falling into the proletariat, who are more and more dependent in all of their political interests on the proletariat and who must therefore uh, oops, who must therefore soon adapt to the demands of the proletariat. Perhaps this will cost a, cost a second struggle, but the outcome can only be the victory of the proletariat. They have bullet points here, though. Now, it starts by saying, democracy would be wholly valueless to the proletariat if it were not immediately used as a means for putting through measures directed against private property and ensuring the livelihood of the proletariat. The main measures emerging as the necessary result of existing relations are the following. And I'm about to go on this, but think about that. It says the democracy would be wholly valueless to the proletariat, which is the poor class, if it were not immediately used as a means for putting through measures directed against private property and ensuring the livelihood of the proletariat. Name me a Joe Biden bill that is either passed or tried to pass 
that wasn't directed at the lower class or a specific racial group and the advancement of the poor class or the specific racial group uh, and going along with those two voting bills he tried to pass, trying to turn us into a direct democracy so they can pass the other measures like the Build Back Better plan, like the infrastructure deal, which is not actually infrastructure. It's like more like a human infrastructure deal to pass their climate change shit. And uh, they're going to use the direct democracy to do that. Therefore, they're going to start taking from Peter to give to Paul. But in this case, Peter is the middle and upper class and Paul's the poor guy who's not working or doesn't work as hard. Uh, let me think. There was some um, private property. If there are people in our Congress right now that would eliminate private property completely. And I'm going to go in uh, here in a little bit on with the private and public property deal. But I want to read these bullet points out because this is, again, going back to the revolution, how they would go about doing a revolution. The first one, limitation of private property through progressive taxation, heavy inheritance taxes, abolition of inheritance through collateral lines, which is brothers, nephews, uh, EDC, and forced loans. The first one immediately. In the United States, we have a progressive tax rate. Biden's tax plan. Again, go on the whitehouse.gov website. I'll link all this information in there. I'm not making this up. I'm getting it directly from the fucking horse's mouth, okay? Uh, he's calling for a more progressive tax system by raising the upper tax brackets and raising tax brackets on corporations. Well, you say, well, it's been there before. Yeah, we were fucking had communist tax rates back then. The best tax rate, flat tax rate, 10%, 10 to 15%, whatever, on fucking everybody. Get rid of deductions. All right, and everyone pays the same percentage. Percentage, that's the fair one. Not the fair, same dollar amount, but the same percentage. Flat tax rate. Um, so pro progressive taxation, which is exactly what they're doing, trying to make it more pro uh, progressive. Heavy inheritance taxes. They want to tax unrealized gains. They want to tax him that doesn't even fucking exist. That's unreal. It's not even realized. The gains don't exist, but they want to tax it. They also want to drop the inheritance uh, taxes back down to what they were back in like 2007, which is harder than anything. There's a lot of people that are worth $3, 4000000 million today. There's a lot of married couples, by the way, that are worth you know $10 million, especially after uh, the way the market was the last two years. And they want to drop it down so they can tax you 50% of that money so your relatives don't get it, the government does, and they can redistribute that money out to the poor people. Again, direct quote from Joe Biden, I'm going to build from the bottom up and the middle out. You can't do it. The only way you can make equality, true equality, or sorry, that's wrong of me to say. The only way you can create true equity, not true equality, true equity which is what they're trying to do. They don't use equality anymore. They use the term equity. Completely different. That means everyone gets the same amount. Is by bringing the upper and the middle class down to the bottom and making everyone poor. Again, going back to what I said in the beginning about the slaves. Communism, socialists think it's actually better to be a literal slave than it is to be a working class member of society. Because you're only sold once as a slave 
and there's always a demand for you. Whereas if you're a working class member of society, you have to sell yourself every day, be it hourly or daily. And there may not always be a demand for your services. The next one, next bullet point, a gradual expropriation of landowners, industrials, railroad magnets, and ship owners, partly through competition by state industry, partly directly through compensation in the form of bonds. Oh, that's funny. You know what that means? That means that we're going to pay you in government debt, which means the government is then going to control your interest payments, how much they're paying it back to you, and you're relying on the government to pay that money. It's one thing if you choose to go do that, you know, like, okay, I'm going to go buy some treasury bonds, but the government's saying, no, uh, we're going to compete with you. But not only are we going to compete with you, we're going to pay for your services with our own debt. And then at any point that you say, yeah, fuck you, we're not going to pay you. The next thing, confiscation of possessions of all immigrants and rebels against the majority of the people. Sounds a lot like this whole January 6th thing, huh? How many Democrats have been arrested for protesting? I think there was like 10 or $20 billion worth during the Black Lives Matter protest. And I'm not saying it was the Black Lives Matter protesters. I'm just telling you that the protests that went on, regardless of what they're for, there was fucking $20, $30 billion worth of damage and how are hundreds of many people dead? Or hurt. The January 6th riots, one person killed, which was a rioter, and I think there's about just over a million dollars worth of damage done to the building. That's it. But they're putting people away for 10, 20 years that participated in this, which is a sham. By the way, go look up, uh, I believe it's the 14th Amendment, Section 4, where it talks about uh, when they go and they investigate um, insurrections. You can't question the debt that the government incurs uh, while they're investigating this stuff, which means they can just fucking charge people money, you know, investigation purposes and 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 say, okay, yeah, I worked 10 hours today on this investigation. Here's a receipt, and no one can question it. So these, it's a money grab. That's in the Constitution, by the way. Go read it. I think it's like Section 4 of uh, the 14th Amendment. So they're going to confiscate all possession of immigrants and rebels against the majority of the people. Again, sounds like the January 6th stuff. Organization of labor or employment of proletarians on publicly owned land. That actually goes back to President uh, Franklin Roosevelt right before World War II during the Great Depression. By the way, Roosevelt was basically a communist and a socialist. He just happened to be kind of the right guy at the right time because of the whole depression thing. And yeah, he may have helped work us out of the the depression, but his temporary government programs like Social Security are still in place. And it's actually the biggest form of debt that the United States has today. When they keep talking about raising the debt limit, a lot of that is because of the flawed fucking system and scam of Social Security. So, look, there's nothing more permanent than a temporary government program. Just remember that. Organization of labor or employment of proletarians on publicly owned land in factories and workshops with competition among workers being abolished and with factory owners in so far as they still exist being obliged to pay the same high wages as those paid by the state. So right now, I think the actual federal minimum wage, when I say federal, I'm talking about the, the minimum wage gov- the federal government has to pay their employees is like $15. They've raised that. But it's, it's still like $7.25 or whatever it is for the private sector depending on what state you live in. Um, 
imagine us having to abide by the wage rates of the federal government. And the federal government, remember, can print all the fucking money they want. Well, in, in within certain constraints, but they're trying to get there. They're trying to put on that modern monetary theory, which plays into all this as well, where they can just print all the money they want. Um, and it would crush business. We couldn't afford it. And it would just skyrocket inflation, by the way. Next one. An equal obligation on all members of society to work until such time as private property has been completely abolished. Formation of industrial armies, especially for agriculture. So in North Korea, there's a great video where this South Korean teacher was going and she got some crazy access. Uh, and I can find that video and link it in the description as well. Uh, and she starts talk, interviewing a North Korean farmer. He, he repairs his tractors, this old, old, you know, 60s tractor. And he farms rice. Said as soon as that rice is ready, the North Korean government comes and confiscates the rice. It's called patriotic rice. They give him a little bit for his family and they take it and they uh, do whatever they do with it. Distribute it amongst the people, but they control the food supply. If you control the food supply, you control the population because people will be so hungry they can't think about anything else other than getting food. So they can't think about anything like it's along the lines of revolting. And they can't even start to comprehend the fucked up situation that they're in because they're just so hungry. And that's what's going on in North Korea. It's what goes on in China a lot of places. It's what happened in the Soviet Union. So centralization of money and credit in the hands of a state through a national bank with state capital. And the suppression of all private banks and bankers. Now, I know Raccoon would say, we already have a central bank, all that. We still have private banks, though. They're talking about a centralized bank, but no other competition with that and no support, right? They're talking about complete elimination of, of private banks. The Federal Reserve was ultimately started to be like a support system, which, by the way, the Federal Reserve isn't necessarily a bank. It's, it's the Federal Reserve system. It's a system, and it has multiple central banks in different locations. It's not just like one bank, but they're there to help support the private banks, uh, not shut them down. If anything, they're there to keep them open. So the exact opposite of what they're talking about here in the communist system. So the government, they you're giving complete control of monetary fiscal policy, which it kind of is now, but uh, complete control of the money supply to the government. Next one, increase in the number of national factories, workshops, railroad ships, bringing new lands into cultivation and improvement of land already under cultivation. All in all, proportion to the growth of the capital and labor force at the disposal of the nation. Next, education of all children from the moment they can leave their mother's care in national establishments at national cost, education and production together. Gosh, that didn't sound a lot like with the whole, I know a lot of parents, like I'm not, I don't have any kids yet. And I know that preschool is, is expensive. But when we start paying for it, when the government starts paying for it, all right, we start going down this road towards a communist society. You got to remember, socialism is just the way into capitalism. It's the transformation of a capitalist society into a communist society. 
And the transformation from a communist society to a capitalist society is a complete collapse of the communist society that happens every single time. And then hopefully the United States comes in there and fucking funds a bunch of money in there and uh, picks you up like Japan and South Korea and uh, West Germany. <laughs> Otherwise, you end up fucked in the head like Russia. So it says construction on public lands of great palaces as communal dwellings for associated groups of citizens engaged in both industry and agriculture and combining in their way of life and the advantages of urban and rural conditions while avoiding the one-sidedness and drawbacks of each. And then the last one here, destruction of all unhealthy and jerry-built dwellings in urban districts. Then it says equal inheritance rights for children born in and out of wedlock and concentration of all means of transportation in the hands of the nation. When they say we're taking it and we're, we're giving it to the hands of the nation, we're giving it to the public, the government runs the public. The government is the public, right? People got to understand this. So all you're doing is you're taking, you, you have one elite class, like the wealthy and the, the big business owners and the, the successful individuals in a capitalist country, all communism is doing is taking those people and putting them into the government and allowing them to control with complete totalitarian and absolute rule over everybody else. And everyone else is just fucking poor. And all they're doing is saying, oh, well, it's, you know, it's in the interest of the public. Everyone owns it. You own it. A, example, a good example of a public good or something public, a park is a public service or good. Um, what else? Beaches. A public beach would be a public good, right? Taxpayers pay for that. How many parks uh, have closing times? Government parks, right? Taxpayer-funded parks. How many of them have, okay, you can't be here, you know, from the hours of 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Parks close until then. What does that mean? That means the government is telling you that, yeah, even though we paid for this with your own money, we still control the times that you're allowed to utilize this service. And to what extent? Uh, is there a law, If you own a house, is there a law on, as to what time you're allowed to be in that house? No. Is there, a, you know, they have certain regulations as to what you can paint it and stuff, and I don't agree with that. But... Um, Raccoon says, and they charge you to enter some. Now, we're get, you're getting it a little complicated there because there are, you know, like revenue-oriented uh, public things, right, that are funded by the public, but they're actually funded by the public's use of them through user fees. A good way would be like a, uh, let's say a train station. Let's say we built a railroad system. I believe the one out in California, they were going to fund it with bonds, hopefully, but they're also going to pay those bonds back through uh, user fees and people buying tickets to ride that train. So that's how that's you're kind of getting a little bit off there. Um, but all in all, same kind of concept. The government still controls what you're allowed to do. Do you think you can just go build a house uh, in a shelter in Yellowstone National Park? Now we fund that park. It's a federal park. We fu we fund that with our federal income taxes. We pay for everything that has to do with that park but I can't go just settle in it, right? No, you can't. Private ownership is, is everything. 
if there's anything we actually have in this world, it's private ownership here in the United States, thankfully. See, what they don't take into consideration in this uh, piece of toilet paper is the equality doesn't come from everyone being equal all the time. It comes from the opportunity. In the United States, everyone has an equal opportunity to go and be successful. You may not start at the same place and you may have a tougher road. But everyone's different. Some people are just plain smarter than others. Some people are more athletic than others. By God, I'm not six foot five and, and went and played in the NFL. I didn't have the physical capabilities to do so. But maybe I can go start a business and, and make just as, as much money as someone who's playing in the NFL and utilize my brain power to go do that and take advantage of that opportunity. The difference in a communist society is the communism saying, no, we don't want any competition at all unless we say it's okay. And it doesn't matter if you're fucking smart or athletic or artistic, whatever. You're, there's no competition. There's no working up. There's no getting up into another class because there is no other class. It's poor or it's nothing. Whereas here, I just want the opportunity. You know, I just... um I just want uh, the ability to say that if I don't make it, it's because of something I did, not because of something that held me back from the government. And the reason why I want to say that something that held me back from the government, because I'm the one that pays for the fucking government. So why would I want to fund an entity that's going to limit me and my opportunity? So... There's a few other questions. I'm going to post a link to this attachment so you guys can go through and read. There's a, it's it's interesting. I think everyone should go read this whole thing. They do a good job. I will admit they do a good job in in uh, uh, organizing this and taking direct writing and ideas from the Communist Manifesto and then putting it into questions so you can kind of break it down and go learn more and not have to read the entire Communist Manifesto. But... There was another thing here. Where was it at? By the way, eliminating religions, uh, eliminating any kind of national, you know, other cultures, all that stuff. Everyone's one. Everyone's equal. Communism is for the, the lazy people that don't want to work. Or it's not just the people that don't want to work. It's the people that don't want to admit that it's their fault that they're not successful. They want to place the blame everywhere else. You know, they want to say, it's not my fault I'm unemployed, right? It's not my fault I can't make enough money. I'm just a slave to my job. Great. You already live in the United States. Go start your own fucking business. It's, it, it is as simple as that. If, if some other person from a poverty-stricken neighborhood in the United States can go and start a business and become successful, then why can't you? That it's, 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 there's no other way to look at it. It's all about equal opportunity. Capitalism provides opportunity to become that, you know, bourgeois class and not be a proletarian all the time. Here's the other thing. We don't have a caste system like they do in India. So you're not born into a class. Now, again, not everyone starts at the same starting point. I get it. And it's harder for some people. That's fine. Not everyone is perfect. Some people aren't just meant some to, to 
um, be a business owner. Some people will go their whole lives and be a, an employee of a company with good benefits, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody is different. And we have a society that actually caters to all the differences and abilities of people rather than forcing everybody to be the same and limiting the extraordinary individuals that uh, we have. Imagine if, if, if people like, you know, Elon Musk or, or Jeff Bezos or whoever, these smart people that have, have been extremely successful. Imagine if we limited these people and said, nope, can't do anything. You know, you got to go work in a factory. Everyone's got to get paid the same. We would not be where we're at. So you can get on these people about, you know, being worth $200 billion. Great. They worked hard. Fuck Elon. Uh, hey Mike, not Elon hey Musk, but, yeah. Hold on one second. Um, uh, Jeff Bezos created Amazon from nothing. So, you know, you got to take that into consideration. Go ahead, Rekha. Yeah, most of these guys yeah. in the high-tech industry didn't do it by themselves. They had an idea and they brought a bunch of people together and they all thought it out, just like Bill Gates. But they made so it happen. The well, Bill Gates was, that shit. Well, let, let, listen now. Hold on a minute. He had a computer idea. They built a model of one and said, this is what it's going to look like. And then IBM said, make it happen. And he had to pull in other people to come in and help him design the damn thing. And as far as Jeff Bezos getting Amazon started and his other entities that he's got going, he didn't start them all by himself. He had help from the government to give him tax breaks so he can fund it and get the backing for it. And then he slaves the people that work underneath him. I'm just all telling these you, rich I, people. I'm just telling you that he grew the business. And, and here's the thing. I love my tax breaks too, so I'm not going to hammer anyone. For well, yeah, but when you, give a, when you give a multi-billion dollar company tax breaks, mm -hmm. that's like slapping everybody underneath him all the way down to the poorest person making a wage and say, you will pay for his tax breaks. We're increasing taxes this year because we don't have enough money. Okay, if they tax everybody the same, businesses included, by the amount of money they make in percentage, like 15% across the board or 9%, we would be so much better. But instead, <clears throat> the working class pays a combination all the way up to 30% because these assholes ain't, ain't paying any taxes. Well, and it's but it's not that it's because it's not because they're not paying any taxes now they argued that that's what it is right but the tax rates would still be the same even if the do you think if if uh well, yeah, ta the, the government's going to keep the tax rates coming in but what it's i'm saying crazy. is what what it's i'm saying is if you made everybody across the board say okay for now on all business taxes will be nine percent of your gross income mm -hmm. how many of them would fight it almost all of them will fight it because they want to keep as much money as they can and and screw the people mm -hmm. and when they give them a high tax bracket it's just like wages you're paying people more because it's the law well the prices increase therefore you have an artificial inflation due to the fact that the companies are going to continue 
to keep the percentage they want coming in for their own freaking pockets so they can have their billions and billions and their multi-billion dollar compounds and vehicles and jets and yachts. I mean, it's, it's, it's a slap in everybody's face because you're struggling and you're trying to get it. And if you don't pay your taxes, what happens? They come after you. Okay, and they they thrash you through the day gone ringer. I was in that position one time. Okay, they thrashed me through the damn ringer, and I only owed them 500 damn dollars in taxes. If I was a multi million dollar company, they wouldn't have said a damn thing to me. They would say, well, just pay it when you get a chance, pay it when you get it through your, your, your financial people, but send it. Instead, they come after me and threaten me to take my shit and take all my belongings in my damn house. Mm -hmm. That's wrong. It is. Look, that was the federal government, not the state. The tax system needs to be changed. All right, and I've said this before. Look, when you it can easily change, but the son of a bitch is ain't going to change it, Mike, because they're getting profit out of it in their own ways. That too, but but think about this too. I, I just sat here and read half of the Communist Manifesto on the show just now, okay? And a lot of what I said was because people just don't understand what they're talking about. Like, we have con- yeah. legitimate communists here. By the way, the end, the place I think I was looking for, it says that they'll associate, the communists will associate with whatever party is going to advance their goals, which it yeah. even states in here is the Liberal Party of America, by the way, the Democratic Party. Um, and... Look, I'm not going to fault a business for having the million dollar compounds and the yachts and stuff because for, when they go buy that yacht, it takes however many how how many people are they employing to build that yacht? A lot. There's a but lot. But do of they meet? But do they need it, Mike? People should not. People still. I mean, are it's even like well, no. Listen, it's even like the the common man here in the United States. Mm-hmm. We enjoy dreaming and buying shit and getting ourselves further and further in debt trying to keep up with the rich people i don't know all my cars are at least 20 years too old but the thing of it is is people thrive on trying to stay up with the joneses or the the gates or whatever who's got the biggest yacht who's got the biggest airplane blah 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 now you're going down, and, and, and I agree we have to pay the difference. We pay well, the difference, though. I mean, hell, you can't so see I, a I quarter movie. But you're going down more along the lines of financial responsibility as you are, as opposed to like, you know, people buying things they don't need. But the right? people who because are doing this shit to us, micro communist. The yeah, people I get that. Who are doing it to us are communists, and they want well, us to have nothing so they can but, have more. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that um, it's one thing to buy to buy something you don't need if you have the money to buy it. That's fine. You're talking about people are going in debt to buy things they don't need and they can't pay for it, but they're trying to do it as a class thing or as a as a you know show yeah. off thing. And I get that. You're right. That's more along the lines of financial irresponsibility though than it is a wealthy person who's it, a successful business going and buying a yacht. But some of those for. businesses give you the credit to do that. And they know that they're going to get you in the end if you can't pay up. They're not going to lose a dime off of you because if they was, say you went bankrupt, 
and they didn't claim anything. They just take it from somebody else or many other people to make up that difference. You know that as well as I do, just like the banks. And I agree, but that's a, it's, that's kind of like a different (laughs) topic though. It's, it's the same, but it's, it's different because you're getting into a different kind of, but it's leading us, it's leading us into the communist manifesto, which is a guideline and they can expound on it any way they want, just like China does with this, with the rice uh, example you had. Sorry okay. about the uh, communist manifest is a book for teenagers. It's a propaganda book. It's nothing more than as a, a, a simplification of all the Marxist theory. So when we, we uh, go deeper in the in the, the in the, the team, uh, we can uh, uh, we see different ramifications. Uh, and America is now influenced just like Brazil for mm-hmm. two different schools of thinking uh, delivered by Marx's uh, initial thought. But see, when you when you go to study history, uh, you go with a Marxist method. If you go with a Marxist method, you are just looking for the historical documents, uh, oppressor and oppressed. You mm-hmm. don't go with objectiveness. You go mm-hmm. looking for a narrative that fits on your in your way of thought. Uh, may I make myself clear? No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're not being objective. You're not being open minded. You're just saying okay. This person was bad, that person was good, and that is what it is. And you're right. That's what you get when you read the Communist Manifesto as well. Uh, It's all about eliminating the oppressor and stopping the oppressed from being oppressed. The problem is when you – in the attempt to do so, you actually are oppressing everybody instead of eliminating – you know what I'm saying? You're you're making the government the one big oppressor in an attempt to say, well, we're not oppressing anybody. But they are. They're oppressing everybody. It's just everyone's equally fucked. So no one's really getting fucked more than someone else. Uh, because in the name of equality. <laughs> you know... Lenin, Vladimir Ilyanov, Lenin put the Marxist theory in practice. Lenin. And he concluded that it's impossible to take a class... Uh, especially in in Russia and put in power just like that. Uh, Now we have a a proletary dictatorship. It's it's a dream. It's a utopia. You cannot do that because you create chaos. So what Lenin did, he conceived the Bolshevik party Talking about what we have uh, a small elite of illuminated persons that will direct the oppressed class to uh, equal equality society. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I mean, look, I just thought this would be an interesting topic for today's show because a lot of what's going on when I started reading through this, right, and I started 
uh, especially about the revolution part and about how they would go about limiting private property, turning it, us into a democratic uh, constitution, which by the way, you would have loved that part right here. And I don't think you were in here when I went over that um, and how they're going to, how they use democracy to kick off a, uh, a revolution, eliminate private property, eliminate any form of private ownership and private business. Um, you know, like these are all things that actually are being implemented or trying to be implemented in, in our policy. They're just doing little chunks at a time. It's not an overnight thing, right? Because if they said, hey, tomorrow we're, we're passing every law that's going to turn us into the Soviet Union, you would have an uprising like you've never seen before. But they, to avoid that, they just do it. They chip away, they chip away, they chip away. And what's scary is you have people that are my age. I'm 29, right? I'm a millennial. And we seem to be the ones, us, and then the the generation that's younger than mine, I don't know what they're called, but the, uh, you know, who who knows what they, them, Z, Z. it is, <laughs> right? Uh, but these are the ones that actually are being elected into Congress now that have these ideas, like the AOCs, right? They, that is why uh, this, hey, because uh, these people Mike, actually come to power. Mike, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, use her for the example i mean she was just a bartender and a stripper she has yeah, no idea just like that one can. guy thought if we put too many more soldiers on guam it would flip over i mean come on but, but that's we have, but, we have a bunch of we have a bunch of ignorant people in congress making laws for us because they promised the world and people bought it but the ignorance but they never they you know never what well, the, people they go, never elected for that yeah, but see, they never give you what they promise. They always try to figure out a way to get around it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's about the Communist Manifesto is one of the things about it is promise the world, take away their responsibility and give them substance. People think substance is everything, but no, it's not. It's the basic needs to keep your ass alive so you'll be a good slave. Mm-hmm. Like you said, control the food, control the Dagon uh, population, control mm-hmm. the housing, control the population, control the motive or the restrictions of travel, mm-hmm. control the people. I mean, everything is in the Communist Manifesto, but it's just a guideline that show people who are kind of wanting to do it but have no idea how to go about it but then they expound on everything that they want because people don't realize even the leaders if we had a if we had a a communist uprising here in the united states and they made us a communist nation anybody that doesn't fit the agenda will be taken out and put in a mass grave regardless of how much money you have if you don't do as the communist want you to do they'll just kill you and go on and once those old parts that we have in congress once their usage has been used up they go in the mass graves too i mean yep. that's the way it is and only one man or one woman whoever's in charge of the whole kit and caboodle is the last one standing if that's what it takes i mean look at what Lenin done Lenin killed a lot of people, and so did Stalin. I mean, they, all the communist nations have killed off whole day gone towns and whole 
states within their countries to get their point across that you will do as we say or we will kill you and your family and people abide by it because they have no other choice now that they allowed them to take over. And that's what I was harping about yesterday in the show. We don't want this crap. It's not part of the American dream. That's of course, you have to be asleep to believe it. You know, uh, when when a guy that talks to you about communism and try, and are debating with you, uh, 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 making a reference with about Lenin, about Stalin, about Mao Zedong, about Castro's, they are already talking uh, with you, uh, seeing a dead body, because. Yeah, that is their method. That they don't talk to you uh, with the democratic respect of uh, uh, put democrat in, in in parentheses here, but they don't don't talk. They they won't talk to you as equals. They just see a dead body because in the end yeah. it's their pretension. Yep. I want to read exactly. uh, one more section out of this. So, and this is uh okay. I'll be. No, you're good. It's it's pretty interesting. It talks about socialism. Now, again, 1848, right? This is directly out of the Communist Manifesto. Like, I'm not making this up. Uh, and they bring up socialism. They even bring up democratic socialism, which is what Bernie Sanders, AOC, that's what all them abide by. But this one is it's called a reactionary socialist. It says the first category consist of adherents of a feudal and patriarchal society which has already been destroyed and is still daily being destroyed by big industry and world trade in their creation bourgeois society this category concludes from the evils of existing society that feudal and patriarchal society must be restored because it was free of such evils in one way or another all of their proposals are directed to this end this category of re reactionary socialists for all their seeming partisanship and their scalding tears for the misery of the proletariat is nevertheless energetically opposed by the communists for the following reasons. One, it strives for something which is entirely impossible. Two, it seeks to establish the rule of aristocracy, the guild masters, the small producers, and their ret retinue, I don't know what that is, retinue of absolute and feudal monarchs officials, soldiers, and priests, a society which has, to be sure, free of evils of present-day society, but which brought it at least as many evils with it, without even offering to the oppressed workers the prospect of liberation through a communist revolution. That's kind of like going back to what Raccoon has been saying is the elites that claim to be socialists that have benefited from capitalism, you know, they're not really all about it. They're saying, oh, the world's evil, so we need to go back to when it wasn't evil and go back to these systems on when it, was e when it wasn't evil. The communists actually don't like them because they think they're fake. That's uh, a new, that's a new law, uh, delivered from the Frankfurt School. Uh, mm -hmm. They, they uh, concluded that we, uh, the Marxist mob movement, the communist movement, cannot control the economy uh, it's way better to control the culture uh, to 
secure the the the, the people's spot because you don't have more you know, no yeah, it, uh, history uh, context you have yeah, so, uh, two classes only you have yeah. individuals yeah they, so I, I, let me so what you're trying to say because you you may need to turn your uh, your mic up Marco but um I think what you're what you're saying basically is and I kind of lost my train of thought but um I actually just lost my train of thought yeah. with that but I, I got what you were trying to say um but let me finish reading this so it says uh as soon as the proletariat becomes revolutionary and and communists, these reactionary socialists show their true colors by immediately making common cause with the bourgeois against the proletarians. Sounds like a lot of these high up people, like maybe actors or something that are all about communism and socialism. All of a sudden, when we go to that system, they're like, oh, fuck that. Fuck those poor people, those peasants. I still want my life. That's what, see, at least the communists are consistent and say, well, we don't like them either. Uh, then you have the bourgeois socialists. Again, the bourgeois are like the middle class, but it's really the way they uh, are talking about it. It's like the upper middle class and the upper class. So the, the wealthier individuals. You have the bourgeois socialists, which is kind of like what I just said with the actors, but it says the secondary category consists of adherents of present day society who have been frightened for its future by the evils to which it necessarily gives rise. Uh, so basically it's saying that they're frightened by the future of, let's say big business and capitalism, but they're the ones that have created all of those problems, according to the communist manifesto. So, right. They're saying that they're hypocrites, uh, exactly. which they are. Who? The, you say the caviar left? Oh, I see what you're saying. The caviar left. Yeah. Yep. It says, um, oh, wait, damn it. Where was my, oh. So it says, therefore, is to maintain the society while getting rid of the evils which are inherent, which are an inherent part of it. To this end, some propose mere welfare measures. We've heard about this, right? Again, how many wealthy people get up there? We need to have universal health care. You need to tax me more. You need why the if we need to tax your ass more, then stop writing fucking shit off of your income. Stop taking deductions and start paying the taxes. And then if you want to pay more, then write a voluntary check to the IRS. Don't fucking ask me to do it. I don't want to pay that shit. Um, to this end, some per, some proposed mere welfare solution or well, well sorry welfare measures, while others come forward with grandiose systems of reform which, under the pretense of reorganizing society, are in fact intended to preserve the foundations and hence the life of existing society. Which means they want to reform everything, but they want to preserve their way of life, the wealthier way of life. Communists must, un it says communists must unremittingly uh, struggle against these bourgeois socialists because they work for the enemies of communists and protect the society which communists aim to overthrow. The last one, though, this is important. The last one is for the democratic socialists. They define their democratic socialism because this is the popular one we hear about in the United States. Finally, the third category consists of democratic socialists who favor some of the same measures the communists advocate. As described in question 18, not as part of the transition to communism. However, but as measures which they believe will be sufficient to abolish the misery and evils 
of present day society. So you often hear democratic socialists saying, I'm not a communist, but you know, people do have the rights to free healthcare. People do have the right to free preschool. People do have the right to free this and free that, right? They want to eliminate the struggles of life and you know, the whole dance of life and make everybody happy, but they don't want to go to like full communism. It says these democratic socialists are either proletarians who are not yet sufficiently clear about the conditions of the liberation of their class, or they are representatives of the petty bourgeois, which is, would be your middle, middle class or your lower middle class, uh, a class which prior to the achievement of democracy and socialist measures to which it gives rise has many interests in common with the proletariat because they're closer to being broke than they are being rich. It follows that in moments of action, the communists will have to come to an understanding with these democratic socialists and in general to follow as far as possible a common policy with them, provided that these socialists do not enter into the service of the ruling bourgeois and attack the communists. It is clear that this form of cooperation and action does not exclude the discussion of differences. So basically what communism is what the communists are saying about democratic socialists is a democratic socialist is someone who's a fucking communist, but they don't know it yet. You know, like they're all about certain things uh, that will lead to communism, but they're not fully understanding the impact of where they're trying to, to push things. You know, the, 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 programs are trying to implement all the free spending and all that stuff they're they're not fully aware of what they're really getting into so you know give the communists some credit at least they're kind of outspoken saying it it doesn't work in the middle it's either one extreme or the other and we don't want the capitalists we want the communists we want everyone to be broken everyone to be suffer suffering and uh anywhere in between doesn't work and they're just saying that we'll work with the democratic socialists but at some point they need to get on board and they need to get with it uh, you know, and we'll support you as long as you don't start saying, well, we don't need to be taking everything away. We need to, you know, let people have some things. Again, they're supporting a transition to, to communism because that's what that includes. So I thought that was interesting when they brought the democratic socialists, cause that's what AOC and Bernie Sanders and all them are. All they are is a fucking preconceived communist. So that's it. That's it. Democratic Democratic socialism, socialism delivers more Fabian society in England. It's uh, referring this way of take the state and their Yeah, 100%. So I'm going to go ahead and cut the Facebook feed. Uh, again, people on Facebook, when you watch this, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, find us on Rumble. And again, we'll be back on tomorrow at Six Central, and, and thanks for us on Yep. All right. So we can keep this conversation going over here. But yeah, I wanted to read through that. That was kind of the big thing I was going to talk about today. I didn't really find it find much else going on, other than Putin backing soldiers off because he's getting ready to nuke Kiev. Guys, that's a joke. By the way, by the way, that's not. I don't think that's actually true. But <laughs> there was a headline saying that he's backing soldiers off of Kiev. But apparently he's actually just getting ready to redeploy them into Kiev. But what if, you know, plot twist, what if he's backing soldiers off of Kiev 
you go ahead and, and launch some chemical weapons or, or an atomic weapon in Kiev. Can you imagine that shit? We probably sit there and twiddle our thumbs at it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Look, lines are open too, by the way. If y'all got anything else to discuss, <laughs> I kind of talked about everything I wanted to talk about. Uh, uh, I would like to talk about you know, especially the farmer uh, education. The means of education hold on, hold on, hold on. Eric, I gotta mute you. You're all right. Go ahead, Marcos. The, the guy that, uh, that I'm trying to bring here to talk with us, uh, he faces the problem of uh, education, uh, the Marxist education. So the, the teachers, uh, since the, 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 the little ones until the, the high school uh, are basically uh, suffering brainwash to see the world with the Marxist perspective. It's, uh, I'm passing to this problem with my sister, my 18-year-old sister. Uh, uh, I, myself, was uh, a former adept of uh, Trotsky theory. And I'm not ashamed because I evolved, but uh, some people don't. And that's the problem. Uh, when mm -hmm. we, we, we see, uh, for, for example, George, uh, George Soros with the Open Society Foundation founding ONGs uh, 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 around the world that uh, spread that this mentality, we have now the new class of communists, the wealthy communists. Yeah, which doesn't make sense. That's like, how do you support communism and be wealthy? How can you be in the oppressive class and support eliminating your class? That's backwards. It's stupid. But you know, it's but a form of established control. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's globalism. Uh, they did talk a little bit about the globalism deal because of, of trade. Again, trade was still global back in the 1800s, not as like it is today, but it was still, uh, it's you know, it was still a global thing. And they talk about how it's more difficult to have these revolutions, and you can't just overnight, you know, flip a society because of the global trade and the impact it would have on global trade. Look, do businesses do some corrupt things? Absolutely. But is it far better than the alternative? Absolutely far better because at least you can go and participate in that game as well if you wanted to no one has stopped being stopped from owning a business now you do have barriers to entry and i think that's where we need to limit sometimes not everywhere you know some barriers to entry protect the industry and the quality of workers in the industry but you know uh we need competition as a human race. We need it. We have to have it. Tell me anyone in here who, if you say you're not competitive, I think you're a liar. In some shape or form, you're a, com you're a competitor. You know, if you haven't looked at something and said, man, I wish I had that, or, um, you know, damn, it'd be nice to 
you know, live that or that life or, or to go do that. Or, uh, you know, let's say you're playing, hell, you'd be playing fucking beer pong and get pissed when you, I get, I like, you don't want to get me started. I'm an ultra competitor. Um, but everyone's competitive. The human race is built off of competition. Animals are built off competition. Life is based on competition. It's survival of the fittest. All right. Why do you think we fight over women? Why do you think we don't want our wife out fucking some other guy? It's a competition thing. Yeah, we love them. That is, you know, that drives it. But other, I mean, it's a competitive thing. It's a jealousy thing. It all derives from that competitive nature. Darwinism, right? Also, uh, we we have to see about the uh, the the product, productive ratings. Yeah, comparing the former uh, uni uh, uh, Soviet Union with USA, you see a big difference in the, the in this in this rate. Well, in far in farming agriculture, the United States. Well, uh, if you did like apples to apples, the United States would crush everyone except Brazil. I believe Brazil is the closest thing in the United States as far as potential agricultural output output. Um, if, but if we if we stop the farm bill that they have, stating that you can only grow so much here. And so much there per year, and certain mm -hmm. crops per year, we would be again the largest crop-producing country in the world. Mm -hmm. For the simple fact, we have people, and I come from a farming family. Mm -hmm. We had limits, and a lot of my relatives went from having their new trucks that they wrecked every year, trying to get through fields and stuff, and mm -hmm. their equipment and everything. And they were told they couldn't do this, couldn't do that. And all of a sudden, they were losing their day on farms. Yeah. Now, the cost of everything going up constantly and the decrease in production, they went in there and they seized the land or that had to be sold off to pay the day on uh, loans and stuff. Yeah. So, by taxes. the way, let me hit on something on that note the Build Back Better bill and increasing the unrealized gains tax. Okay. That also plays into the inheritance deal. You talk about a way to uh, transition from privately owned land to publicly owned land, especially in the farming community. You go and you start taxing. Do you know how many farmers, my family being one of them, are land rich and money poor? Where we yep. have a lot of land, we may farm the land, and we make just enough to break even and keep the land and keep our lives going. And they're happy yeah. with that. They're fine with it. But do you know how much how much money some of those pieces of property are worth? A few hundred acres, right? Nothing. I mean, it's nice size, right? Yeah. Millions. Several hundred thousands and millions. Yeah, just depending yeah. on whether or not it's got water on it. Yeah. If you die, <laughs> you know, if, got if you die, and your kid inherits that under what Biden was trying to propose, all right? Yeah, they take it away where from you. Where it's yeah, where it's taxed at the original cost basis, and they eliminate that step up basis, meaning that if I inherit it, I don't inherit it at the new value, which is the current value of that property. So, you know, I only pay taxes. Let's say that I inherit the land that's worth a million dollars, but my grandfather bought it fifty years ago for two thousand dollars, right? 
right now, if he died and I inherited a million dollars, my cost basis is a million dollars. I don't pay any taxes. All right. Unless I sell it, you know, in a couple of years for in it and I sell it for like 1.2 million, right? Then I pay the difference. But they want to eliminate where you pay the taxes immediately. You owe the government taxes, whether you sell that property or not, on the original 2000. So the difference, so you have a million dollars basically in income and unrealized income because you haven't even sold the property yet that you're on the hook to pay. What do you got to do to pay yep. it? I ain't got fucking. Uh, $400,000 in cash, $500,000 in cash sitting around to pay taxes. I got to sell the property. Who do I sell it to? And you, and you sell it to the highest bidder because mm -hmm. you want to get as much as you can out of it and skate. Here where I'm at, we have ranches and farms here that have been in, uh, been in families for well over 125 years. And mm -hmm. some of the people who died you know and passed away and and were the primary owners that passed it down to the grandkids and everything else and now it's down to the last people a lot of them say piss on it i can't make a profit i'll stay in debt i'll sell it and somebody like bill gates comes out here and says i'll give you this much for it they take it and run i mean a lot of these billionaires are doing this shit Nobody's covering it. I mean, look at BlackRock. Mm -hmm. They bought a shit pot full of land out here that has nothing on it but weeds. It's all prairie grass. Fertile. They come out here and buy up the hell out of land, and it's it's totally worthless right now because there's nobody here to, to come in and build on it because there's no water sources that are easily gainable they have to drill several hundred feet to hit an a, a aquifer through rock and they the say way, at I've fifty dollars a foot we're not screwing with it so they I've just go seen... ahead and oh, well i want you to think about this i've never seen an animal starve when we implement far farm fields right we're not displacing yeah. any animals when they implement farm fields maybe they'll just hang around the edges but you go to the orange groves in florida you're going to see hogs deer just tremendous amounts and they're sitting there eating oh, yeah. all day fucking happy and they're a lot bigger and healthier in those areas but yeah. you're going to buy up land to build solar farms and wind farms and other green shit. They can't fucking eat on that, and you're just taking up their home. So you're displacing animals. You're actually fucking They're, the whole ecosystem by doing that, by the way. The thing of it is, though, Mike, they, they you know, like you say, they're green energy farms. People don't realize there is no such thing as green energy because it takes carbon to produce the manufacturing to make the shit that they're going to erect solar panels, the uh, wind turbines, the windmills, the concrete that's going to pour the base for that thing to stand up. And then it's only going to last maybe 10 years if it don't get blown down by a hurricane in Florida, or if it don't get melted in the day on desert suns where they want to do all this crap at. And, People don't realize those are not reliable sources of anything. They will work for a little while, but on a on, a, say, at least not in the near future. Twenty days of, of cloudiness, you're screwed on solar farm. Yeah. And well, if you don't have wind, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, but, at least not in the near future, because eventually we'll 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 innovate so much that we have some sort of of 
energy source that's extremely renewable and, and efficient, right? But just not now and not – I mean, yeah, nuclear unless, energy is the only thing. Unless somebody that they aborted comes up with an idea, they're going to go with the same shit because they're pulling – they're pulling hair out of their butt, sitting there saying, we need to do this, we need to do that. And nobody's putting the effort really into making it sustainable. I mean, you take into consideration a solar farm, you have to have a battery bank backup. Because if you get 10 days of cloudiness, you're screwed. If you have a wind farm, if all of a sudden the wind ain't blowing, you ain't got no power. And they say, oh, they got it in California. You know that in California, and you can Google this, zoom in and you'll see what I'm talking about. They go Mm -hmm. around these calderas that are out there. They say, oh, they're ancient calderas. There's nothing there. How in the hell are they getting the steam out of those calderas? They're drilling down and getting it. How do you get the end of the day going drilling business? You have diesel running drills that will drill down and hit those things. And they'll have thousands of them just for a couple wind or a couple of steam generators. But they're susceptible to the fact that they're cracking the surface with quarter mile drill points all around the caldera. What's that going to do in the near future? That might cause an eruption. That might cause a, a day going uh, uh, the, the an earthquake. And what's around all them calderas that have the plants? Cities. Mm-hmm. Cities get hurt by the same shit. I mean, if you've got a, a windmill turbine out there in your day going uh, pasture and you see that sucker buckle, well, it's going to take them about a year to get back out there and put a new one up. Because they don't have them just laying around. And all that shit has to be disposed of. It goes into a junk pile. Because it cannot be fully recycled. So there is no no such thing as as a... Go ahead. What's that, Marcos? Go ahead, Marcos. We are still at the time that we have to argue with, with people about the, the defense uh, agriculture uh, products. They say agrotoxics. Uh, it's not a form to contaminate people. It's not a farm to, to, to contaminate the, 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 the water on, um, under the, the, the soil. It's a way to improve the production. And the people can even conceive that this, gener- this generation of walkies uh, are literally screwing our generation. You know, look. Y'all don't know shit, all right? And I'm I'm gonna take my advice from Greta Thunberg, okay, and her uh, 17 year old self on anything climate change, all right? Until y'all can, until I see one of y'all uh, presenting up on the uh, climate, uh, uh, what do they call them? Summits. 
So till one of y'all are up there, I'm listening to Greta Thunberg on everything climate related. <laughs> don't eat too. Huh? <laughs> I'm kidding, by the way, guys. But uh, any anything else, um, Eric? Anything else you got? You got anything? Um, you know, nothing else I can think of. I just got done fixing me some decaf coffee for the evening. It's not regular coffee, thank, thankfully. Oh, dude, if it's not um, caffeinated. But I know this has been a good show this evening, of course. Um, but, you know, I know like early, earlier in the show when I think you mentioned the election, but I, we might mention this like on like your ne- next show that that gets like published that, um, and, and I've even just mentioned this on John DeVito's show a few weeks ago, uh, that if you wonder why it is that um, Donald Trump and the biggest majority of Republicans refuse to accept the results of the 2020 election, you've got to think about a thing called precedent and and look no further than the 2016 election where Hillary and the majority of Democrats refused to accept the results of both that election. Yeah, I mean, look, I try not to go but, into the election thing all that much, but, you know. <laughs> uh, but, well, you know, th- these things happen, but but you have to remember that, that, like I said, you know, Donald Trump didn't set that precedent. Hillary and Obama did. You also have yep. to remember she thought she was not going to lose because they thought they had the day gone. Well, she was the anointed one, in other since... words, raccoon. Yeah, but she she was the one who was anointed to become president and their system got jammed up. They didn't expect mm-hmm. what happened to happen and it jammed up their election well, equipment. Um... And she, I would also like to she say knew, that the people in she, she knew Michigan... She, well, see, she knew she won until the numbers came out. And it's like, what? Yes. That's not well, she, right. That's not well, supposed to be that shit. way. We had control of all that stuff. And yeah, they right. did in 2022 because the same damn people, if you re- research it, you'll find out that they were controlling that shit from outside our country. They needed... Mm-hmm him to to do this so they could keep their day going uh upper uh elites in control of our country yeah well and 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 i think like another way i look at 2016 too that i think they made sure of it that wisconsin michigan and pennsylvania saw right through hillary's facade even if they didn't see through that facade you know, the rest of the belt, too. Considering but, that but the Joe book majority Biden fill a parking anyways. lot with people, how the hell did he make it to president? Mm-hmm. Nobody went to his rallies. Some of the places you've seen where they were doing newscasts, uh, people had their cell phones out recording what was going on. He's got a bunch of cars in a parking lot, nobody in them, and only the news crews and a few scattering of people who decided to see what was going on there. One of the sites was a vacant building. One of the sites was a vacant building with a fence around it. And they had a rally there in a small town, and there was nobody there except the news crews. Yeah. And they put them in little circles and, you know, 20 feet apart. Did you see where he had a damn. Uh, cheat sheet. Uh, with the questions and answers written down, and someone yeah. took a picture from an angle the other uh, the other day when he was in Poland. 
because he had to, you know, walk back his stupid ass fucking uh <laughs> very dangerous <laughs> comments about going and lighting Putin up and taking him out of power, dumbass. Uh yeah. so he had to go back and recruit, you know, and, and recall that statement and try and defend it. So he had this big cheat sheet. There's a picture of it, guys. Go look at it. It's pretty funny. It literally has word for word the question and then word for word his answers. And if you go watch the interview, yeah. it's it's very uh similar. Then I was watching another one where uh they were pushing him on the uh the Ukraine thing. And he called on a guy and the guy wanted to keep that conversation going. Cause it had gone down a pretty interesting route. So the reporter's like, actually, I'm going to ask him this question. I'm, you know, and he, he asked it and Biden goes, wait, you were supposed to, you're supposed to ask about this. And the guy goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, but I couldn't pass that this opportunity up to ask about, you know, what they were asking about. And well, then and sometimes he, they he, ask him a question and he walks away true. from the podium. What a fucking joke. You know, give Putin, credit. give Putin credit. Putin sat there for two hours and talked with no notes, you know, about a fucking war he was waging with no notes for two hours. All right. Uh, Trump gets up there every day during COVID for two hours, answers all the questions and talks about things going on before he passed it off to Fauci and all that. Every single day, Trump did, by the way. Go look that up. During 2020, exactly. from February to April or, or May, every fucking day got up there for two hours. And and when he wasn't talking, he stood right next to the people. So that questions could, and they often were, directed directly to him, even when he wasn't speaking. So, when are y'all are making noise? I am. I'm walking up. Press conference in the White House when Trump decides the Fauci decides Fauci Fauci wearing a mask and Trump not using it. And today, what we know, uh, Trump was wrong. Well, yeah. I mean, look, the masks are kind of a joke to me, but. I've, I've worn them very selectively when I've had no choice but to wear a mask. Other than that, uh, I don't wear them. <laughs> but, I've got a small collection of them and gave my, my dad and stepmom each a mask when the pandemic started. But I don't know whether they still have theirs or not. Britt bought me a Florida Gators one thing and I was going to wear it more and I didn't. I think that it's still... Oh, the, like, the one point. that's elasticized that you can wear around your neck. No, this one was. I wore uh, a Zorro mask. I, I wore a Zorro mask. It was funny because when I walked into the store, they said, You have to have a face cover. And I said, I've got one on. But that, that, that's not what we require. That's not a, that's not a real mask. I said, Tell Zorro, Zorro mask that. one that goes over your eyes. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So, did you see what uh, bands in college were doing during COVID? Uh, the marching bands? They had the mask on, right? And then they had the a hole fucking hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the purpose? Fucking well, there's some schools that actually they were sitting in pods within the room playing mm -hmm. their instruments. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> so, um, now, they did have one thing that really was all you needed, and this is something they use anyway. They put it on the tubas so the this, this spit doesn't come out of the tubas and the and the instruments, the flutes and stuff, you know, and fall on the people. So they, they've always had that, though. They could have just used that and been just as fine. 
because they're still talking and bullshit with each other with open mask. Good. Mike, I used to play a horn when I was in school, and spit does not come out of horns that you're playing unless it drills out the end. I've never blown a horn. Apparently, that's a raccoon and a jet. There's a there's a valve every now and then that you have to open up because the condensation inside the horn will build up to that one spot, and you have to pop the little valve on it. It's it's like a little lever valve with a cap on it. You just pop it, and mm-hmm. it drops all the water out, and you continue to play, or else it starts gurgling. But you never get you never get the vapor spit or anything out the end of the horn. Only sound. Okay. I'm just not doing it right. No, I'm kidding. Right but they've been playing this shit. They they've been playing this shit forever. I I I I played the trumpet. My brother played saxophone. I had a cousin play the day on trombone. I had a, a a cousin who played the uh uh tuba. The small tuba, not the big tuba. Yeah. It's kind of like a compact one. Mm-hmm. Never had anybody getting spit on. There was never any anything drooling off That's the edge of the bell. When I asked okay. what the things were they had there on it the end all, of them. That's what they it said was all, it was. That was all bullshit. I know for a fact I played it. I even played a French horn and I never had any problem having anything drooling out the bell of the horn. It doesn't happen. Um, it's virtually impossible. <laughs> I don't know so, if two minute warning has come. Yeah, we're about to. I'm about to cut it off now. Uh, um, I good. don't know whether Je- Jester might do a show later or tomorrow, and, and of course Shannon taking time off. Of course, I know tomorrow night after Beans and Weenies is still wide open. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you guys for uh, tuning in. We'll be back on Thursday at six, and I'm also hosting Solid Blue Sisters show at three on Thursday. So look forward to that. And thanks, guys. We will look see to the Thursday you. show as well. And yep. the other shows that you're on. Thanks for not banning me, Mike. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> All right, Marcos. Thank you. Bye, guys.